Everybody loves Gran Torino. The story of Clint Eastwood walking around a block, barking racial slurs at everything that moves, and then dying. Oh, I saw that on YouPorn. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Airplane also has Peter Graves going out about being naked in a locker room with men to a child, so that's something. Hmm. He was just making conversation. <laughs> Let's see what's weird about that. The whole ending presupposes that they could have put him in a freezer, but they decided that closure was better. If you saw something like that today, like you'd have some fuck like Neil deGrasse Tyson going out. Well, actually, scientifically, there is no afterlife. Please, Neil, please stop. Okay, I don't. I don't you give. Already a f- got rid of Pluto. I don't give a. Yeah. F- I don't give a fuck we- how round BB-8 is. Okay, I don't. I don't fucking. I don't fucking care. Okay, I, I don't. I don't care. It. All right. Well, actually, snakes don't look like yeah. Michael Keaton like that. I don't. I don't. F- it's. There's shut no up. way his shut hair up, would survive okay? such transfiguration. But what about yeah. clothes? If he changes his form mm, underneath, the nah, clothes dude. don't change. He's a fucking psychopomp. Yeah. How did he <laughs> inhabit an entire banister? The rule, that the, was solid the, wood the before he got there. Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the Tim Burton classic from 1988, which is Beetlejuice, starring Michael Keaton, Alec Baldwin, and Gina Davis. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Teekman. Hey there again, everybody, and welcome into episode 131 of Film Tank. I am Alex Teekman, along with my guys, Nick Cheney, and Toussaint Egan. And Phil our friend, come and be okay, I'm done. And our friend <laughs> joining us. Uh, <laughs> okay, I, I really am done. I swear You're to God. You're done. Peace out, I said I was done. Yeah. Sam this Shamara. Hey. Thank you. Hey, Sam. Yeah. Hey, Sam. Thank you. I you think better... she meant, hey! <laughs> no, I, I, Be yeah. careful, yeah, because he's, right. he's going to start doing this really soon as Bill Clinton, and it's going to be... Oh, it's going to be really uncomfortable. Is that a... <laughs> Just wearing a Hugh Hefner bathrobe. Oh, yeah. It's all good. Uh, hanging out with the Weinsteins. Both of them. Oh, Why is the shrimp moving? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Stop. <sighs> oh, uh, but it is really great to have you back, Sam. Thank you. Um, it's good to be back. Yeah. No, this is, uh, this is good. It's always good to have a fourth, and um, we've always liked having you on our previous episodes, oh, so thanks. welcome back again. Uh, we are talking about a classic film today, and that is Tim Burton's uh, Beetlejuice, which not was... Beetlejuice. <laughs> Bottle use so lovingly called it. Bottle use. Bottle use. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Babadook. 
with the Baba Duke. I do side oh, with uh, Alec Baldwin's character when he first reads it as a uh, Beidel Geist. Geist, yeah, Geist, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yep, that's actually kind of what it looks like. Yeah, it's very sounds seems kind of Germanish. Yeah, yeah. phonetically speaking. <laughs> so, anyways, this was somewhat early on for Tim Burton. I mean, this was right before his first Batman film, but yeah. um, this was. After Edward Scissorhands, I think. I think so. I think Edward Scissorhands was his uh, breakthrough. Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying that yeah. this was kind yeah, of it was mm-hmm. after kind of early. Um, it actually was not. It was before. What? Wow. Oh yeah. Wait. Was Edward you. Scissorhands in nineties? Yeah. Well, yeah. no. It was. He had look. Listen, Frankenweenie. Listen to the listen to these back to back years. So eighty eight was Beetlejuice. Eighty nine was the first Batman, oh. and then ninety was Edward Scissorhands. Oh, Jesus, oh. he was busy. He had a pretty good string of years there. Yeah. yeah. Way better than the last three Woody Allen films. So <laughs> yep. Way way better than like what? contemporary. You like Batman just... society. I, d- I was joking because yeah. he's made those films every year. But then, I mean, oh, yeah. the 90s were like the golden age for Tim yeah, Burton. Because he had really Edward and Mars Attacks as well. So. Mars Attack was the shit. I love that movie. <laughs> and then Sleepy Hollow happened and everything went downhill from there. Hey, that's a good movie. But what about The Nightmare Before Christmas? That's not a Tim Burton movie. I was going to say, that it's wasn't a Tim Burton, Tim Burton directed movie. No. It's not even a... I think he produced it. His but directorial really? debut was Pee-wee's Big It's, a, it's like an urban <laughs> myth. Like everybody... Oh, okay. Because it makes sense. Like, everybody thinks he directed it, but, but he nope. Did. Oh. In fact, I feel like he lives awake at night <laughs> cursing <laughs> the gods so that he didn't make it. So mad he didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Ever since the mid-90s, I mean, he's had some good films in there, like mm. Big Fish, but... Um, yeah. Like his Planet of the Apes and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and, and Alice in Wonderland, like those all sucked. So. Yeah. He did a version of Planet of the Apes. Oh, oh you yeah. weren't aware of that? I Back, was completely oh, unaware of it. I think man, it might 2000. be a good thing that I'm Stars unaware Mark of Wahlberg. it. Stars Mark Wahlberg. I'm so oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm very glad I missed it. It literally, the <laughs> so ending is Mark point. Wahlberg uh, stumbling upon the Lincoln Memorial <laughs> instead of the Statue of Liberty, which is just wonderful. And the Lincoln Memorial is an ape. Yes. Yeah. Which is even better. In fact, everything is, right? Yeah, I barely remember, but I just... It's probably for the best. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, you probably blacked it out of your memory by this point. Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I just remembered. (laughs) So, uh, Beetlejuice, which definitely... Whoa, don't don't say his name. I'm definitely not going to make that joke over and over. Beetle drink? Hey! Whoa. Ooh, it was close. Uh, Most everybody has seen this at least once, and most people have seen it a string of times. Only 90s kids will understand. Only 90s kids. (laughs) So anyways, uh, this film centers around a recently deceased ghost couple. Deceased. Deceased. (laughs) He did it right. Go on, Alex. Do we, no, he was referring was to the to the joke the, in the movie. Yeah. Yes. Uh, read the book, and he's like the recently diseased. Oh, okay. I think it's a deceased. I, I, yeah. I got it. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Anyways, when the recently diseased or deceased ghost couple find that their now vacant home has been invaded by an obnoxious family, they hire a sleazy ghost who gets rid of the humans who tries to get rid of the humans to what? <laughs> who gets rid of humans to help them? Oh, that makes sense. I was just okay, saying, how, I think they should just have. It should have just said a hired a sleazy ghost to help them. That probably would have. Hired so the sleazy ghost. The ghost people hire a sleazy ghost like 
guy to get rid of the humans. Casper. Yes, let's diagram this. Yeah. <laughs> like, we'll line this up for you guys. Exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a running joke on this podcast, but we always read the IMDb descriptions, and they are usually very bad. Yeah, so yeah. they're all I can bad. See that. Yeah. So this film does star Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis as Adam and. Barbara Maitland, although we never really hear their last name in the film. Yeah, we do. Do we really? Oh, all the time. Really? <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. Okay. Because like the like the neighbor always says the Maitlands. And oh, it's, okay. Yeah, we well, sorry, I'm no, I'm, I'm just, an asshole. No, it's that's okay. fine. Uh, also, I watched the last night, so it's fresh in my mind. Oh, there you go. Also, too, uh, to keep with the '90s theme, uh, we have Winona Ryder. And Catherine O'Hara here. Also, Jeffrey Jones makes an appearance. As, yeah, before all the unpleasantness with him. And before Ferris Bueller. So there you go. Hmm. And then Michael Keaton uh, as the famed character of Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. And this was definitely one of the breakout roles for, for Michael Keaton. Yeah. Even though this was after, like, Mr. Mom and those kind of things. This but... is actually, like, one of his favorite roles, apparently. Mm-hmm. Like, if oh, not his favorite role. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... Like, go and put this outfit on and put this makeup on and just say whatever the fuck you feel like. And if it's funny, we'll keep it. Like, that's. And you can say the F word in a children's film. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. And it's. It, you know what? I feel like the rule usually is if it has meaning behind it, sometimes a lot of pat, like in PG 13 movies and yeah. that kind of thing. I know that they probably didn't. I don't think they even had PG 13 in 1988. But that's the thing. They. Like it just came out that year, so yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like it somehow slipped past because it was so new. Maybe, right? but the the fact that it was such a dumb fucking offhand common fucking model, yeah, I, nice fucking model. Yeah, I mean, and then he just squeezes his balls. Yeah, I feel like most people remember the Hong Kong. So then they're just like, oh, I guess he didn't say the upward. I mean, there's plenty of contemporary <laughs> children's films that get away with shit. I mean, like oh, Peab- yeah. Peabody and Sherman got away with a Monica Lewinsky joke. Yeah, remember but that. Everything in today's world in children's film follows the Pixar school of adult jokes, which is right. like uh, show don't tell. Uh, whereas, you know, Airplane had a pair of breasts, and not to say Airplane is a children's film, but PG movies. Right. Right. Uh, you know, this movie has him saying the f word. Like, yeah. The- the reading Air- scale was very different. It was. It Airplane also has Peter Graves going on about being naked in a locker room with men to a child, so that's something. Mm. He was just making conversation. <laughs> I didn't see what's weird about that. <laughs> so, who would like to start off? Because I have to admit, I am not the biggest Beetlejuice fan amongst my friends here. So you son of a bitch. I know. So I'm probably not the best person to lift the lid on this. Um. Seems like you're you up for it, Nick, so go ahead. Me go? Yeah, sure. Oh, who, me, Dad? <laughs> yeah, you, Tommy boy. All right. Uh, I got to say, I, I, I'm i going to start with some uh, backstory here, but I do want to point out, just for a record, that Sam picked this movie for us to watch. Yeah. I did. And I'm very appreciative of that. I uh, we could go with something a little bit older. Yeah. You know, kind of a little outside of what the norm is. Get our groove on. <laughs> I uh, watched this movie all the time when I was growing up, and um, it was interesting. I kind of wrote about this a little bit on Letterboxd. But I read that. It was yeah. good Yeah, And I'll touch on just the opening sentiment, which is that when I was a child, I had a huge fear of death. Like not Me just, too. Yeah, Agreed. not just in that like general, like, oh, what happens when we die? But like I knew what happens, mm-hmm. and I was fucking terrified. There's pain, and, and then there's counter. nothing. <laughs> yeah. 
and it actually kept me up at night for a long period of time, like when I was very into that or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And so Beetlejuice the movie was like one of the worst things you could think of on paper because it's all about a movie in which your two protagonists die in the opening prologue and not just die, but die in a horribly trivial death. I mean, the dog is literally on the other end of the seesaw of the wooden plank and just decides to jump off. And Well, they're the reason they were in that mess to begin with. So. That is true. So, um, so just like, yeah, everything about this and the way it basically said death is not only an inevitability, but it is going to be a punishment of sorts. You know, like, it's not necessarily hell, but uh, it's nothing to look forward to at first, you know. Um, and yet, I feel like subconsciously, the reason why Beetlejuice was, like, actually my favorite movie when I was growing up is because uh, Tim Burton created the world in which the afterlife had more vitality than the real life. And mm. so it, I like, agree. very weirdly gave me something to, like, distract myself when mm-hmm. I was thinking about, like, the afterlife and such. Uh, but overall, uh, having rewatched it just last night, uh, it for me, it loses none of its charms. It's uh, frequently hilarious. I absolutely love any movie in which uh, characters have to kind of like work through the situation they're in. So, like, if you like in this movie, if yeah, if you give your main characters like a manual and they have to like figure out what exactly are the rules of a situation, like I'll eat that kind of shit up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Tim Burton's vision of the afterlife from the actual mise en scène of the set design and the practical effects, which um, are fantastic. The stop motion of uh, animation, they're mm-hmm. great, and I will take those every day over uh, most of the CGI that comes out today. It's not because it looks more realistic, but it creates a more fluid image that I'm more entranced by. Mm -hmm. I I can never suspend my disbelief because everything about Beetlejuice is already a suspension of disbelief. So uh, I'm a huge fan of this movie. I think it's very funny. I think everybody in this movie is perfectly casted. Um, Winona Ryder was like the first time I was introduced to like goth chicks, and I know, right? Yeah, I know, and, right? Um, I know, right? Food has kind of so much kind of ruined. Well, it kind of ruined all other goth chicks for me because none of them were like that. Winona Ryder. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and yeah, everybody else is. I love Catherine O'Hara, and I think she's great in this. Um, and even Alec Baldwin in a weirdly subdued, you know, role. Like he plays more of a like. Straight man. Uh, yeah, straight man, but also kind of a doofus, like a kind of a weird. I mean, you know, this is a guy who's now famous for doing President Trump on Saturday Night Live. So it's just a, it's such a weird time capsule in ways that it could not have predicted. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll get into a lot of specifics, I think, later. But overall, I just. It's one of those movies that it's 90 minutes long. It does not overstay its welcome, and I love it from start to finish. And I think one of the main reasons for that is because I think the structure of this movie is actually ingenious. Because instead of doing a simple hero's journey or uh, some other kind of three-act structure, uh, Tim Burton, I would say, definitely weaves a almost Russian nesting doll uh, structure in which uh, everybody has to start uh, 
figuring out their own shit based on the shit that they left behind. So, mm-hmm. like, it's literally about uh, the couple dies, and then they want to get their, you know, new inhabitants of the house out, and then the new inhabitants of the house want to get their ghosts out, and then they accidentally call Beetlejuice to get the new inhabitants out, but then they need to get Beetlejuice, and it just, it's just it truly is the epitome of a live-action cartoon, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and I think it's fantastic for that. So, uh, yeah. I'll pass it on for right now, but yeah. I love it. So, like I mentioned, um, if I can go next, yeah. um, I'm not the biggest fan of this movie. Like, this is really not my bag. I am, for the most part, not a fan of Tim Burton. Um, I mean, there's there's a reason for that. I'm I. Sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the original Batman is one of my favorite films of Same. all time. Yeah. Uh, but it is that was obviously a very much subdued Tim Burton who made. A lot more of the kind of film he wanted to make in Batman Returns. Yeah, that's that's the that's Tim Burton going full yeah. Tim Burton. Yeah, yeah. But that Kamikaze being, Penguins. That being said, I think he did make a great superhero film in the original. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not a huge fan of most of his films. I think the only one that I've seen that I truly, really like, other than Batman, is Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and I gotta say, mm-hmm. everything good about Sweeney Todd is really not his doing. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, like any Broadway or any stage adaptation, he adheres so closely to just about everybody's collective vision of Sweeney yeah. Todd yeah. that yeah. Uh, his job was done for him. He loves it just as much as everybody yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. It's st- I still enjoyed it. So, I, you know, I do as well. Yeah. I'm just saying, it's, it's yeah. sure. Yeah. No, um, but. I've just always never been because we've not really talked that much about him on on this podcast. No, and before. I pretty much hate him. <laughs> Damn so, son, um, tell and, us how you really feel. And I think oh, I hate him. Yeah, I, I think that's that bleeds through here a bit because even though I enjoy a lot of this film, uh, still it never really speaks to me in any real way. Um, I, I really enjoy small details about this, and, and that's the problem, is that the overall picture never really connects to anything that drives me to really enjoy films. Um, I really do like Michael Keaton's character throughout this film, but at the same time, um, even though he's only in this for about like 15 minutes, if that, um, I felt like it gets a little old really quickly, and maybe... You know, I'm saying blasphemy because I know a lot of people absolutely love this film, and there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, uh, you know, I get a little tired of his act. I get a little tired of of other sort of recurring themes and tropes throughout this film, and it's you know, it just leaves me a little bit bored, to be honest with you, at times. Now that being said, there are still the iconic scenes throughout this film, like the uh, stop motion um, monster attack. Uh, the Beetlejuice is embodying, and obviously the famous dinner scene that I think are still wonderful works of filmmaking. Um, and I actually completely agree with you about Winona Ryder's character, because I think she's the one absolutely fantastic character in uh, this story. And actually, um, it's interesting that Sam's here, because uh, there are a couple shots of her walking from afar that really remind me of some of the shots from the film Crimson Peak. So I definitely think that Guillermo del Toro uh, has seen Beetlejuice before. I'm sure he is. And has probably taken a couple of thoughts from it. Um, but yeah, it, overall, this is really not my bag. Um, it, there's a lot of small things that I like about it, though. And uh, I, I guess we can get into more of those later. But Smaller than the miniature models in the village? That 
the 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 minor detail about that that I always love every time, um, and I've only seen this about three or four times. But the very minor detail of when they have to dig up Beetlejuice and they're actually digging up the, the play part of it, type. but it's just large pieces yeah. of fake grass and and cardboard and shit. Kind of like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's just there's something that's actually like feels magical about that part yeah. of it. Yeah, and then you know we get into the whole scene where he's talking to their people at the death clinic, and it's just like, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know I'm on the other end of the spectrum for most people because a lot of people, especially from our age group, absolutely adore this film. Yeah. And um, I, I could totally see why, but just really not absolutely for me right. all the way. So, yeah. yep. Whoever wants to go next. Um, Sam, do you want me to go next? And you wanna... It's up to you. All right, I'll go next. <laughs> There we um, go. It works out he easy. He made that decision. <laughs> um, if he ever says that to you, by the way, he's going to end up going. So if well, he ever not true. Ne- next now, time, hold on. That's he just true. started like right away, like, uh, and I was like, all right, yeah. he's taking over. No, next time, I'm okay with it. Next no. time, if he tries to do that, just step right in because <laughs> someone needs to put him in his place. Oh fuck you. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I haven't seen this film in ages. I haven't seen this probably. Since the '90s, actually, is like this was one of those films that sort of like plays in the background of your childhood on like a public access television. Like they have like a special <laughs> showing of Beetlejuice starring what's his name and Tim Burton. Um, I like this film a lot. It, it it really was charming to see it again. Is like seeing like how many little details that they actually had. They had Deo playing like with the with the logos and like the zoom in of the of the town that's actually just the diorama i love dioramas just in particular so that just kind of like checked off a little like like (laughs) check mark for me yeah um i like alec baldwin in this i like all the principal actors in this i particularly um for me i really enjoy the mise-en-scene and the set design like you mentioned nick Mm -hmm. for the afterlife just because it's this it's this send up to German expressionism, especially with like the 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 weird like undulating like hallways and stuff like that. The very angular like mm-hmm. askew like doorways, especially with the um, um, the fireplace where the the little mummified man comes out. And he's trying to officiate yep. the wedding and stuff like that. I'm just like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> um, I really do enjoy the structure of this film just because, it, like Nick touched on it before, is like it's. Like, just laying it out, just, like, plying it out, it, it's so unlike anything that I see in, in films today. It where, would never and, be green, so greenlit. No, it would never no. be greenlit because right. – and, and I think the, the reason why it was plotted this way is honestly – I don't. I don't think Tim Burton entirely knew what the fuck he was doing, but it just sort of coalesced into something yeah. that was that just happened to that happened to work within a, a ninety minute time span. Because originally, I was I was looking up some stuff about about Beetlejuice, and originally he wanted to get Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> to play <laughs> Beetlejuice, if you can believe right, that. And, and yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and like Beetlejuice was supposed to be like this winged reptilian like character who was supposed to try to like murder like some of the the house guests and try to like force himself on Lydia. Yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of shit on the cutting room floor that really belongs there. That's why we have the cutting room floor. Yeah. yeah. Kind of already did a lot of that. Yeah, and well it's it's more yeah. hinting at it than it than it is explicit in this in this sense. But I I I like that 
how how you mentioned it, Nick, is like you have like the this couple who is recently deceased who is trying to get out the new occupants and the new occupants who are trying to get out the other people and then you have Beetlejuice who gets ends up being thrown into the mix of that. It's a it's very farcical. Mm-hmm. It's it's very it's it's very comedic and it's a very interesting depiction of death and the afterlife, like I said before, because it's 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 like a it's a bureaucracy. It's boring. You like the grand mystery of what lies beyond life and all that, and I'm just like, oh man, it's actually really boring as shit. And you get shuffled around, and you gotta wait in lines and shit. And and if, and if people, you kill yourself, then yeah. you become a civil civil servant. Yeah. And which was a nice callback to the the first person they meet at the, ortho at the yeah. death. No, yeah. I was talking about the person they meet. Oh yeah, with the mm-hmm. the, the, the weird wrist. pink hair, yeah, or pink skin or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was um, just. It's it's very morbid, also very comical, and very it's very comedic to see the people in the waiting room and try to guess like, oh, how did they die? It's like, oh man, that guy was probably smoking in bed and he was next to a gas leak and that's how he got all burnt up and shit. And then there's this guy who's got this shrunken head and a in a in a uh, a rifle. He probably like pissed off that voodoo master right over there. And then you've got like this guy with like chicken bones like mm-hmm. protruding out of his out of his fucking gullet. I'm just like, oh, oh this is neat. Pretty cool. I like your description. This is neat. Yeah, this this is pretty neat. I also, um, I thought it was just absolutely comical to see this enormous country home, this very idyllic, simple country home that just happens to be very huge. And it has these people just move in from New York City and then they just throw all their modernist block. Blocky, yeah. like avant-garde bullshit. Like there's a there's there's a there's a nook that doesn't have any walls or a ceiling. It's just it's just a frame. It's just bullshit. It's funny because it, fuck these guys. <laughs> You'll never be able to resell that. It doesn't really look like it, but I think it's just the mood that I'm in when I start watching this. But every time I see the house before it gets transform mm-hmm. uh when i see it for the first time i automatically think about the psycho house for whatever reason yeah see that. i don't know i don't know it's like got that weird isolated yeah, yeah. it's got you know steps to walk because up it's not to gothic. it gothic no that's but... what's so weirdly idyllic about it yeah. that yeah. it's just like it feels like it's from the wizard of oz and it got you know thrown up in the air and planted somewhere else and that's mm-hmm. that's what's yeah. creepy about it yeah i um i really like the costume design in this yes. i think that all the costumes for most of the principal characters, they're just really interesting. Or even Ortho with his uh, his red rose, like black robe, when he's like outside and stuff. I'm just like, oh, that's a really interesting choice. And I have to admit, like having seen this film multiple times, I still like, I still get like a little excited when I see that final sh- that final shot of um, not not the final shot, but the preemptive shot of Beetlejuice like coming in and just like handling shit in his. In his striped, mm-hmm. his, his actual striped suit, and you see him like showtime. Yeah, showtime. Yeah. I'm just like, oh fuck yeah, there's the suit. <laughs> He's got the suit on. That's something I wanted to mention because the uh, the marketing and the money that was to be made after Beetlejuice became a hit is actually pretty amazing because yeah. there was Beetlejuice the animated series oh, yeah. mm-hmm. where he wore that famed outfit most of the time. There was a lot of toys and action figures, and there was even a Beetlejuice attraction at Universal Studios in Florida, yes. which uh. is amazing mm-hmm. that that actually happened. But like, it's just really when you watch it, it's this silly Tim Burton movie, and yet it spawned this not exactly like Star Wars, but this 
universe that's outside of the actual film itself. And it's, you know, pretty amazing that it became something like that. So, yeah, yeah but that's that's the crazy thing about him becoming becoming an animated series is now it's almost impossible to not think of Beetlejuice in that famous suit. But at the time, that just happened to be the suit he was wearing for that specific yeah. scene. So. Honestly, there's there's been cases where you'll have like a like a really commercially successful um, movie that ends up getting an animated series, and the animated series ends up being better in some respects than the actual film itself. Like the Men in Black uh, cartoon was actually really fucking this. good. Yeah. Like the theme song yeah. for that is really fucking good. I mean, yeah. the Batman animated series ran for a long time. Yeah, yeah. but I think that. No, the Batman animated series came after Tim Burton because it used the same mm. Danny Elfman theme. Yeah. yeah, but it was sort of it, it was still it was its own thing. They, they basically sure. told him it was like you got to make a Batman series and it has to use this theme. And I was like, yeah, and it ended up being like awesome and yeah. like a legacy onto its own. So, yeah. yeah, So anything else to start off with? No, or? that's just uh, my initial thoughts. I got you, yeah. Sam. Yeah, um, I am in the same boat as Toussaint and Nick. Um, I, well, I hope we don't sink. (laughs) Um, my, my dad, um, originally was the one who, um, I watched this movie with, um, and as morbid as it may sound, um, I absolutely love dark humor. Um, I love morbid humor. Um, death jokes are kind of funny to me, um, as however frightening that can be to some people. Um, but when I when I was little, um, my so it's family story time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my um, Thanks, my mom's. Uh, this is great podcasting here. I think whenever so. we whenever we do physical things, it's always perfect. Thank you. So that's really nice. <laughs> my mom's uh, mom. So my grandma. Uh, is the youngest of 14 kids. Oh, wow. Um, and so, consequently, my mom is one of 52 grandchildren, mm. or cousins or whatever. Um, it's like an farm. And it kind of it feels like it. Um, I can't you But because of... Um, I mean, she's not wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't have anything against There's just so many people. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I'm going to take it in a sec. But they're... I, I mean, <sighs> starting from when I was little... Um, I started going to funerals quite frequently yeah. um, and going to like wakes, you know, as like a funeral that you had to go to, right? <laughs> I mean, to start venturing into Edward Norton territory yeah. from Fight Club. I got addicted. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I had no other choice. I kind of was like dragged along. All right. Um, so I was going to like funeral homes at the age of like two, three and like, mm. you know, kindergarten, things like that. And so, I mean, these ended up being as weird as it sounds but kind of fascinating places to me and and it sort of became um this weird you know curiosity of you know what happens you know what happens when when people are are dead um and i think like you had mentioned nick um about that this kind of helped answer some questions you had or not even just answer questions but kind of give you a visualization of those thoughts that you were having and um, this was something like just sitting down and watching it was like, oh, so this definitely makes death seem not as spooky and like unknown and completely like just black void kind of stuff. Um, it seemed a little bit more humorous to me. 
um, which helped me kind of cope with anything that I had been witnessing as a small child. Um, hence, I guess, why I'm probably really messed up. Um, <laughs> I'm just now grappling with the idea of being alive, let alone my own mortality, right. and how limited that yeah. might be. All Pretty within much. the first three years of my life. <laughs> um, and so it was... Um, it was one of those films that whenever I would sit and watch it, I mean, one, the music of it was catchy, um, which that alone was enough to be like, okay, this is a cool, happy film, even though it's not that fucking necessarily dog. right. Um, <laughs> and um, I also just, I know it's been mentioned before, I like that stop action sort of oh, yeah. um, animation. It's it's really cool. I um I always give props to people who can do that and to individuals who are capable of doing that. What are you doing? I'm nothing. <laughs> nothing. Um. He is scratching his beard yeah. with the microphone. Um, yeah. I say that because I've is. done that once or twice before. Yeah. Sorry. But I don't okay. do it when people like, are what talking. Are you doing? <laughs> um, anyway, go. Continue. Anyway. Um, but I don't remember. Do you know how many saying. germs are? Um. <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> My <up>. germs. <laughs> Um, They're still jerks. <laughs> no one's using this mic. Anyway. Um, anyway. Um, it just ended up... I, make a long story short. Um, I really like the... Um, like Toussaint said, the costuming. Um, everything about the set design is really cool. Um, I really like kind of some of the different like color schemes that are used. Um, like just... It's very... Um, it stands out in my memory as one of those movies, and especially when I watched it a few times when I was younger. Um, and I haven't, I hadn't watched the movie in quite some time prior to this. Um, but when I watched it just recently, um, I kind of sat there and I was like, you know, this is why I like this film. And and I kind of was like, you know, telling myself, okay, it was like these little things about it, um, some of the like little underhanded comments, or you know, like very simple kind of lines of dialogue um like when the wife is going with ortho to 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 repaint the the different uh rooms and she walks through the bathroom it's like oh look an indoor latrine i'm like oh fuck you <laughs> fuck you um it's uh i like it for all of those purposes and uh i um just recently over the summer, I went to Universal Studios, um, which mm-hmm. you had mentioned that, mm-hmm. um, and that there was a Beetlejuice one. Um, I don't believe there's a full ride. No, but it's um, like an experience, and it used yeah. to be a little larger than it is now. What yeah. an experience. There, <laughs> there was, um, so kind of with that, um, I really like kind of horror films in the mm-hmm. like classic sense, um, and watching like that sort of film um and how it's progressed um, since the first, like, werewolf and things like that. Um, and there was a little museum about um, horror and horror makeup. Oh, did you um, did you go see the, the show for that or not? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I went and I saw that. Um, and just outside, like, just before we had gone in for, like, the little, like, experience and the little show and everything, um, Beetlejuice was sitting outside. Yeah. Um, and the poor actor's face was probably being melted off. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> with the, like, 90-plus humid weather 
Um, plus the suit and everything. And um, you know what? That's a pretty good gig, white. though. There's a, that's a pretty good gig to be a street performer in Florida if you get it, to play Beetlejuice. Yeah. Like people who have to dress up as fucking goofy in that shit during it's that. It's rough. Like at least you can try to have a little bit of a personality in that kind of thing. Yeah. Quick sidebar though. Um, we went to see the horror makeup show when I was, you know, I think I was like six or something like that. And I've seen it since. Okay. But I saw it when I was six. And I think they pretty much do this at every show. But they show the effect of how you could slit your arm open yeah. on there. And when I was a little kid and they were showing that and I was like, oh, my yeah. poor man just got his arm open. And it's like, then they show you, oh, it's... it's it's just yeah. fake and whatever, but I was just like, I'm still just. You were pretty stupid. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> I was. I'm still oh, just blown away by how really simple things can just trick people's minds, and it's um, in, in 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 film and on stage. Obviously, it's it's really easy to do. The it's one awesome. uh, sight gag in Beetlejuice where they do their first attempts to uh, you know get the people out of their house where. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I'm thinking of particularly is when they open their closet and uh, Gina Davis is hanging there and with her face like ha- or she tears her face off with the eyeballs, you know. So even like when they cut away from that scene to a, a wider shot of it and you can just tell that it's just now a sack of something, you know, yeah. like it's totally not whatever. Like it doesn't matter. Like the practicality of just that um, initial shock of that happening know. is just freaking fantastic i like how it just gets pushed to the side too yeah <laughs> speaking uh since we're hitting on uh some of the special effects in this a little bit yeah. um if you don't mind sam that hey i was done at that point so. okay <laughs> um thanks for, uh, for being on the show by the way oh, thanks. <laughs> so i actually think pretty much out of necessity uh one of the one of my favorite shots of the entire film is when we first really meet Beetlejuice mm-hmm. uh, and he gets introduced to the audience and to the two main protagonists and he shows them how he would scare people by yeah. doing something with his face and we we don't see what his face actually looks like because it just wasn't practical to have his face explode into a million things. They actually did have a... Um a version of that scene where they did show an equivalent of his face, yeah. but for some reason it just didn't play, so they decided it was better to just not show it, and I, that was the right choice. I was yeah. going to say, uh, every time I see that, I think of how, what a great thing that is, that it, you don't actually see his face. Because the sound effect alone is well, both hilarious, yeah. and, and but also creepy. The, yeah. the reaction on their faces, and yet you see kind of the back end of it. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, there's just something about it that feels so wonderfully withholding and it's um yeah this is a this is a comedy that knows how to work within the broad strokes of not just in the the setup and the execution of its jokes but also in its exposition and its universe um like you were like you were just saying before with that like i think that another example of that is the sandworm limbo like they never they never fully explain what the fuck that is? But that's a place you don't want to be. Whatever, like it's, it's it's probably in 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 the manual. But they didn't. They they mentioned like, oh, you got to read the manuals. Like, oh, you got to do for all this other stuff. I'm just like, who the fuck wants to read for the manuals? Like, I'm not even gonna read for like the user agreement for iTunes and shit like right. that. If they, did, I mean, they've had time. Yeah, if they did but. make a make a make a Beetlejuice like remake or continuation, it probably would be a joke on user agreements and shit like that. Um. 
but yeah, I, I, I really enjoy that about this universe. I feel like there's, it's a film that I can always come back to and always feel like there's more to it for the fact that it doesn't try to hold my hand and treat me like an idiot, but rather gives yeah. me just enough you to got me for that buddy. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but knows how to give me just enough to, to keep me on the lore. Well, the yeah. nice thing, even though this is obviously a silly, somewhat children's horror ish mm-hmm. film, which what happened to that genre? Yeah. No, I'm just saying like I mean, it used to be a kind of a, uh, the superhero genre came in. True. Yeah. But true. like we used and the to actually princesses became much bigger. Yeah, but like, you know, you think of like poltergeist, like children even some like uh ah, real monsters. Yeah. Um yeah. it's just kind of a little bit of like run and stuff. Gremlins. Too. Yeah. Gremlins. I mean, you know, these no, there's are... a lot of films right. and mm-hmm. and TV shows and cartoons yeah. from from that time that period. That used to kind of treat children with respect with regards to uh, you know, the not adult content, but content that didn't always make them feel secure. Right. Yeah. But the nice so thing do, I mean, about yeah. Beetlejuice is that you see how many people like it for, mm-hmm. for what it is, and it's obviously a, a capsule of that time period for sure. Yeah. But if you saw something like that today, like you'd have some fuck like Neil deGrasse Tyson going out and being like, you know what? <laughs> that shit can't happen. And be like, you know... Well, actually, scientifically, there is no afterlife. Please, Neil, please stop. Okay, I don't. I don't you give. Already a f- got rid of Pluto. I don't give a. Yeah. F- I don't give a fuck we- how round BB-8 is. Okay, I don't. I don't fucking. I don't fucking care. Okay, I don't. I don't care. All right. I just want to see Michael Kitt. Keaton grab his Michael Kitten. Michael Kitten. and no. also Michael. Kitten. Well, actually, snakes don't look like yeah. Michael Keaton like that. I don't. I don't. F- it's. There's Shut no up. way his Shut hair up, would survive okay? such transfiguration. This is, this is why we don't invite you over oh, for movie night. But what about yeah. the clothes? If he changes his form mm, underneath, the nah, clothes dude, don't change. He's a fucking it. psychopomp. Yeah. How did he <laughs> inhabit an entire banister? The rule, that the, was solid the, wood the before he got there. to fucking summon him is like fucking Rumpelstiltskin. Are yeah. you going to start debating right. the scientific efficacy of well, Rumpelstiltskin? And something about, like... And I think this is true for, like, Beetlejuice and even for, like, some of the other films that are kind of within this sort of genre, whether it's film or or story or things like that. It's that genuine belief to really or suspend that disbelief, um, which I think is troublesome for some of the things that have come out nowadays. They, you can only suspend it for so long. Or so far, I think. Um, no, I want you to tell somebody, me a story. Like, I don't want to do no work. Right. Before, I don't want to do nothing. Before no. somebody comes out and says, you know, like, oh, well, that's impossible. Or, you know, scientifically, it's how this goes. Or yeah. someone will be like, that's too outrageous. Versus, that's, you know. And that's why scientifically, we're. Scientifically, well, I don't care. Like, what? <laughs> no, but seriously, though, that's, why we're, that. that's why we're stuck with, like, scientifically rigorous uh, franchises like the Fast and the Furious movies or right. um, <laughs> other yeah what I'm just saying like movies that actually take time if they if they really cut loose they could really do something That's interesting true. but now it's just it's so so by the numbers <laughs> why do they have to wear seatbelts why why do they gotta measure the exact trajectory of like if you actually did dump a car out of a fucking airplane what if it did fly whatever Man. Uh, I mean uh, yeah, I just like that one scene so I'm glad, <laughs> glad we ended up here. Uh, you guys are all really big fans of this. So, so what really about this? Hmm? 
What, what's, the, what's this? Nick's looking around. I'm, I, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Just... Stop looking at me. Stop rubbing your face on that <laughs> microphone. Yeah. Don't make me put up a folder for it. Fine. <laughs> that was great. What a reference. Um, so Shut up, Mom. <laughs> what, Go to bed early, son. What about this, to, to you guys, um, really keeps this in the same esteem? Because Nick hit on it a little bit. But this is a film that, to me at least right along with a lot of other films that came out now, like you see people like Michael Keaton's character in this playing Beetlejuice and in this current cultural climate where we have had a lot of things like Harvey Weinstein, uh, people talking about sexual assault and that kind of thing. Watching this this week actually did make me feel like, oh boy, this is what children are watching. The law protects the living. Okay. Uh, Not the dead. But but that being said, and, and, and not saying anything Man. against mm. Michael Keaton or Beetlejuice or anything, but it, I think people just enjoyed watching this when it came I'll, out for what it was. But so, now I, I, I couldn't help but think about it when here, I was watching what it earlier I'll say. this week. I, I, I'm with you in the sense that it certainly, I wouldn't say plays differently, but it's hard not to think about the changing mm-hmm. right. mores and whatnot. Because a lot of 80s comedies are like that. Not oh, sure. In that, like, they're all like Beetlejuice. But... They're surprisingly like Beetlejuice, in which um, anything for a laugh and even sexual harassment so is this, funny so and whatnot. But for me, the reason why Beetlejuice still holds up, besides the fact that it's fantasy, which I don't mean to right. downplay the reality of mm-hmm. what happens, but there's a disconnect between mm. a bad 80s comedy in which just a high school party is thrown and some kid doesn't know his boundaries, whereas this is a ghost who is called for exorcisms who violates people. It's like, yeah, that's kind of what he... You know, that's what's on his business card. Yeah. Um, but also, I feel like Keaton's performance as Beetlejuice is so obnoxious and so good that, um, for the most part, I feel like nobody ever reacts to him uh, abnormally. Right. Like... Yeah. When he shows up and he starts kissing uh, Barbara, and mm-hmm. like it's it's weird, like because it's it's weird because it's it's such a fantastical story that I feel like that's why either Burton or the script itself directed everybody that like nobody puts up with Beetlejuice shit. The whole movie when they're dealing with Beetlejuice is them telling Beetlejuice no, and that and obviously yes he doesn't listen, but that's also the nature of his character. Yeah. So it, it it didn't play too differently because it's still this fantastical situation in which, you know, a genie gets out of a bottle and mm-hmm. you can't control it. And mm-hmm. and nobody is in any way accepting of that. So. Yeah. There was a, and, there there was a couple of small moments for me though. Like when he I'm not saying it's not cringeworthy at times. No, like when he but, strolls into the bizarre strip club that happens to be there. Can for I just reason. say <laughs> two things. One that's it. Uh, my sexuality was born <laughs> the day I saw Beetlejuice strutting with those spikes toward the brothel. Um, I learned a lot about myself that day, and I learned a lot about everybody else. Uh, there was a second point then? The second point <laughs> is I have to go to the bathroom. Okay. No. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, two side, okay. Two, okay. Yeah. No, no. Second point I was going to make is that uh, there's a line in there that I actually always crack up at, even though it's not that funny, but is when uh, Beetlejuice creates the brothel, you know, because he's like, oh, look over there, whatever. I, I don't know why, but I always love when Barbara goes, why, why did you make that? I didn't make that. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't me. But just every time But she, then yeah. they go visit Juno, I was like, the, like, the whorehouse was my idea. <laughs> just like, 
Why? Yeah. To distract him? Yeah. Um, I, I think that... What about you? Was, uh, did that do anything for you? Like No, no. It didn't really do many, anything for okay. me. Didn't like, discover it. All, all, all the sort of like hints towards like illicit stuff in like films like Beetlejuice or um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like That stuff never really... like. Like, people would look at me and be like, oh, you're going to get in trouble. I was like, I, I don't really know what the fuck's going on. I'm just watching cartoons right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, I think the reason uh, that – because I have a hand down my pants. I enjoy <laughs> – there's anything the, wrong. The reason it. why I enjoy Beetlejuice is primarily aesthetic. I like Great. the aesthetic. I like the lighting. I like the mise-en-scene. I like um, – you know, I do like early Tim Burton. I I am – I do have an affection for this uh, way of taking a prototypical Norman Rockwell-esque um, idyllic suburban setting and twisting it and making it just a little bit askew. Because as 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 banal and as trite as that might be right now, as as as, as sort of like played out as that is, like mm-hmm. for its time, nobody was doing that. Right. Nobody thought to do that, and 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 it's. It's refreshing to see that. There's something to be said for being the the progenitor of that, that it would would then sort of like go on to be um, sort of replicated in other forms of entertainment like Invader Zim or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, But yeah, primarily I just really like the art design and I like the character design. I like the – I, I, I like the mythos that sort of surrounds it. It it feels way too lofty to call it a mythos but just sort of like the universe – the small insular universe of the afterlife grafted onto this really tight, um, entertaining comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sam. I mean, I, <laughs> I second a lot. I mean, minus as many big words as you used. Um, I. He just uses them to try to be cool, like Dennis Miller. So it's all right. <laughs> um, He's not here to defend himself. Um, I. I really actually, one of the reasons why I fell in love with this movie was because um, of the aesthetic um, and, and that appeal that I, that it brings, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I, especially with Lydia or Win- Winona Ryder's character, um, that, like, that cool goth chick, like, I was really fond of her. Who doesn't like, want to be the cool, <laughs> the cool goth chick? Right, and I kind of, like... Uh, <laughs> He's making a point with his hand, yeah, okay? No. Again, we, we do a lot of physical humor on this podcast, so... <laughs> I wouldn't call that humor. <laughs> um, but I, like, that was really cool to me. Um, like, her sort of, aesthetic, like, aesthetic and um, and even just a lot of other things about the film that were amusing in their artistic quality. Um, so it, it kind of made me think of... Um, so recently... Uh, this past month or so, I watched um, 2001: A Space Odyssey. Yeah, um, fuck yeah. <laughs> um, and <laughs> he's a peacock strutting his no, stuff. He was... How do you um... go from like 10 seconds earlier throwing out gang signs? I'm to not throwing out gang signs. Doing your Mr. Superman pose. <laughs> God, no, I think that was that looked a little more like Doug to me. To be honest with you, with the little belt and yeah, it's a journal. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, I thought, uh, so uh, a space odyssey, like to me, the special effects and things like that. And even like the cinematography of that film was very ahead of what you would assume was 
a product of you know 1968. Yeah. Um, especially with like. Yeah, it's a really long film, I'll be honest. And at some points I was like, cool, I'm going to step out and I'm going to do other stuff. <laughs> you keep um, going, though. <laughs> but You're keep doing going. great. Um, but that sort of, um, like, uh, rewatching Beetlejuice um, just recently, but after um, A Space Odyssey, calm down now. <laughs> um, but I definitely started to see some of that and how, you know, it's not nearly that sort of... Um, I guess, grandiose cinematography that we see in A Space Odyssey, but it's something that's unique and that kind of created something of its own at, at that time in the late 80s and and was something that nobody had really touched upon or if they had, it wasn't done very well. Um, so I, and I think that's one of the reasons why, like, every time I come back to it, it's something that I enjoy about the film is that it definitely, you can... I don't know if many people would consider it a pioneer, but it definitely was unique for what it, it was trying to accomplish. Um, especially like you had mentioned even story-wise too. Um, I always love complex and layered pieces. Um, anything that has a really simple plot, I get frustrated with because especially if it's predictable right away, that's it. I'm, I'm thrown out because if I know what's going to happen, it's not worth my time. But a simple plot that blossoms out that is something that is really that Whoa. okay fine yeah. um to me shut that, up nick anyway that, that's a different like yeah. line though in that right. case because yeah. that becomes something more complicated right um and i kind of like the the feel of this piece of like you guys have mentioned um and and i love that description you used nick of a russian nesting doll Stop. feel free to borrow it um okay <laughs> trademark um but, like, I really like that and how it's kind of one piece creates another, creates another, creates another. Um, and so instead of just having, you know, protagonists or even just other characters dealing with one problem, they kind of have a whole boatload and they have to solve one before they solve the other. But they're, they have to figure out which one to solve first before they can solve the second. Um, and that's something that's more entertaining to me than, you know anything else really and how about the novelty of the fact that this is essentially a children's film it is um, yeah and the and it is never once brought up or even waved in front of the characters faces that they can somehow reverse their condition mm-hmm. that you know they can because today i can't imagine that a studio would green light a movie in which the protagonists die and they go through all this shit but then at the very end they're still just dead like like they're they're in no way better off right. than they are in the end than they were in the very beginning of the movie, and that's just kind of crazy to think about. Although you do have a very <clears throat> interesting uh, reversal at the end of the film, where they are the inhabitants of the house, and then the yeah. people who actually own it now live in the small room. Upstairs. Right? No, yeah. I mean it's a, it's a funny resolution, mm-hmm. but they didn't necessarily gain anything no, from. Right. They just made it slightly. better. Although we have, you know what, and that's uh, I'll. As I already mentioned, I love small little details about this. When we have that finale uh, with Winona Ryder's character sort of playing along with there, which is actually kind of bizarrely ambiguous in a way because it almost makes it seem like she's dead as well, which is really odd. Um, No, she's not dead. Okay. She also 
can fly and dance? Yeah, because they're doing that to her. <laughs> oh, they the are idea doing that, that okay. like the power she got juice. excited by the possession the first time, right. so she likes them doing that to her. Oh, that's why she's asking, yeah. "Can I?" Yeah. Oh, I and that's gotcha. why she's doing it. I don't know. Can we? Oh, it's I like, gotcha. So, yeah. It reminds I'm, me I'm of the, the scene smart, from The I'm Witch. I'm not smart enough for that. Beetlejuice, let me just say, mm-hmm. Beetlejuice is like Rick and Morty. Like, you have nah. to have an IQ. Oh. Uh, oh. Stop. Just, I, I want you to wheel that back. I want you to apologize. <laughs> I'm not going to I want, no, I want you to apologize. Yeah. I am making fun of... I, I, yeah. I, Tucson, have you purchased your sauce off I'm eBay yet? Look, I saw a I saw very small can we, subsection can, of Rick and Morty uh, fans, can, not can we, the fan base at large. Can we have a have an aside? They want their sauce about Rick. about the the Szechuan sauce thing. I saw the video. First, before, apparently we're going to no 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 no. Bef- I'm not saying we can't, but I have to at least say one thing before you say that, which is that my comment specifically is that there was this ridiculous surge on the internet of people. S- who were I would call stupid people uh, who liked Rick and Morty, and there are good people and smart people that like Rick and Morty too, but the stupid people were louder, and they kept going. They on always are this tangent that only intelligent people can get Rick and Morty, which is the, what they would say to anybody who either didn't like it or even people who liked it that maybe said something whatever Those... negative about it. So it became a kind of meme of sorts when these yeah. very same people waited for hours in a McDonald's to get a sauce that they didn't really actually want. Yeah, those are the same people who um, uh, empathize with Rick primarily as a character and think that the example of Rick as a character um, so w- work, works as a justification for their own shitty behavior when they don't even realize that uh, Rick is fucking miserable yeah. and actually tries to kill himself in and a I fucking like garage. Uproarious applause. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, and I um, like Rick and Morty, the, but I do like poking fun at these, like the woman who <laughs> traded her car... For two Szechuan the, sauce packets. The, the video of the guy who this jumps the on the counter and he flips, he flips the shirt over it. and, it he, and he just, uh, yeah. like, just no stickulates on the floor. Just, that like, much metal. Thrives and then, then he runs get a good out. Hundred, couple hundred bucks. I've never felt more peripherally embarrassed for I, someone that I did not know for an area that I was not in. I'm just like wow. I, I saw the videos of people in the McDonald's, and of course, like I'm not whatever, but almost every video it was like predominantly a sea of white dudes in the age of like 17 to like 23, you know, like yeah. that whatever. I was on vacation, so I didn't have time for any of that shit. And I was too busy eating. Good, good for you. I was I was too busy eating like real people, were... like grown ass <laughs> adult food. The way yeah. they were chanting, "We want sauce at." These minimum wage workers who have no idea what the hell is happening yeah. because they were in no way trained for any of this uh, is just one of the point? saddest. Yay, things. capitalism! Woo! Yeah, and yeah. and then there were some great pictures though of people who because the greatest thing and it makes me laugh is that apparently to get the Szechuan sauce you had to order their new chicken tenders, which are really good by the way. Uh, <laughs> is this an endorsement? Yeah. That's a free okay. one. There you go, McDonald's. I know you need the business. Um, but there were people who were so upset because they bought the chicken tenders 
even though that they were still out of saucer and they didn't realize that. So <laughs> then they took a picture of them throwing the chicken tenders completely uneaten in the garbage. They was, just wasted I was like, food. yeah, you showed them, you gave them money, and you won't get a product for it. Like, oh, boy. Uh, anyway, so that that's what I was... They were making a statement. Fun of. Oh, they sure were. <laughs> It was loud and clear, which is that they are not getting enough oxygen. <laughs> Nor chicken tenders. Anyway, coming back to <sighs> yeah, let's... Beetlejuice. Right. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Oh, shit. Oh, boy. Beetle drink. Whoa. <laughs> By the way, so uh, apologies for my little miss there on the thing. But at the same time, that's an awesome scene, though. What's when she's kind of like levitating? Oh and yeah, yeah. it is a thing. it is a great scene. Yeah, and, um, and uh, I yeah. totally it's one of my favorite totally whiffed on the, the film part endings. that they were doing that to her. So my bad. Yeah, that's okay. So coming back to talk more about Beetlejuice, though, yeah. and we're back. I know, right? And we're back. Do we want to go to final thoughts on Beetlejuice? And I think that's start that off. Yeah, which yeah. I will because I'm in the minority on this. So the minority I, report. Not really, no. Nah. I feel like you've done that before. Yeah. So this is the <laughs> second or third time. I recently watched that movie over the over over my vacation. It was really good. <laughs> it is actually That's really good. It's a pretty good film. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Thanks. That's Spielberg. What can't he do? He can't. I don't know. Mm. He's he's on like a one out of five with one out of five being good, which is not a good percentage. Oh. No one went to see the BFG. The big no. fucking giant. So the I, big I, fucking I, gun. <laughs> gun. I gun. It was yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the parlance for like a lot of people. The, the ultimate weapon in Doom, the BFG, uh, that predates this. Like a lot of people who saw <laughs> the BFG, whoever they was, are, said it was pretty good. Huh? Yeah. So Is that coming from someone who watched it. Did you Maybe? watch it? No, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> Say it. I've heard it. I've been meaning to watch yeah. it. You're going to go see Ready Player One, though, first week, right? No. <laughs> I feel like Second I have week. to because I have to take Toussaint. <sighs> Don't you want to see Freddy Krueger and the DeLorean, the DeLorean. <laughs> and the Iron Giant and Szechuan Sauce? Every, the Iron uh, Giant saying, is a good film. Every day we drift no, farther away from God's about, light. I love all those movies. How about all the references that we haven't seen in the trailer? Yeah. That's going to be the real... I still love the fact, I don't know why, but that Spielberg removed all references to Spielberg films in the original novel, and I'm like, why? You're fucking Spielberg. Like, no one's going to like, yeah, when Clint Eastwood does it, I'm like, you're fucking hack. But <laughs> Spielberg does it, like, yeah, you, you don't, we don't live in a world without Jaws. It happened. We're still recovering from it. Well, and I mean, <laughs> we're still living in the wake of it. We're still trying to cope. Even though I quite enjoy the film that it's shown in the poster it is really Grand yeah it is it is really obscure that they just happen to show yeah. a huge Grand Torino it would make poster. sense if this crazy pop culture universe is going to show a Indy or Indiana Jones or yeah. something very iconic or E.T. Yeah. <laughs> anyway everybody loves Grand Torino the story of Clint Eastwood walking around a block barking racial slurs at everything that moves and then dying <laughs> Oh, I saw that on uh, YouPorn. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway, woo, Beetlejuice. Um, yes. Okay. On that note. Yeah. 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 No. Absolutely. That's boy. I kind of. 
I want to know what that would look like now a little bit. I don't, don't want to know what that looks like at all. Uh, it was a little cropped. They didn't get the uh, aspect ratio Go exactly now. right. Did they get the chair? Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. It was the work print version. <laughs> all of the Asians have been edited out. Oh, my wow. God. Wow. I give this a very... Moderate rating of two and a half out of five. Uh, it's it's not a film that I run to see. Would have watched uh, previously uh, this week if we weren't doing this episode. But I do enjoy small portions of this and and enjoy some of the the characters and the actors in it and some of the iconic scenes as well. But as I've already mentioned a few times, it's it's really just not my bag. And I really feel like. Tim Burton's actually kind of going through the motions after Edward Scissorhands for the most part. So, yeah. um, and you know, I think that's the, that for me, you see something like Beetlejuice where at the time it was interesting and cool and different, but I feel like I've seen a version of that kind of film now, like 17 times from him. So Johnny Depp certainly took the, not the throne, but the baton from a Michael Keaton-esque performance, I think. Because, like, uh, Alice in Wonderland as the Mad Hatter and Charlie the Chocolate Factory as uh, Willy Wonka. All he's doing is playing a very impish person who can't be controlled. Yeah, but it's not cool. No. So, like, even though Beetlejuice is a a horrible person, a horrible dead person, um... It's 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 interesting that it's it's fucking Michael Keaton playing this really outlandish role, and you see Johnny Depp destroying Gene Wilder's character, and you're like, "What the fuck happened here?" My favorite thing about Michael Keaton's performance is that his voice and demeanor and performance is so out of character for Michael Keaton. But the one time he gets to be Michael Keaton is uh, the joke where they ask him what his credentials are, and mm-hmm. he totally goes into like full on Michael Keaton voice. Where he... Uh... That's all right. Tucson's just performing an exorcism right now <laughs> on a pop Funko character. So this is great. Yeah. Thank it's... you, Alex. <laughs> you deserved it, bud. Thanks. <laughs> um, anyway. But when um, he goes into his like, full-on just regular Michael Keaton voice, when he's like, well, I went to Juilliard. And, uh... <laughs> I went to Juilliard and Harvard Business School and... Uh... I was like, I've seen The Exorcist 167. And it gets funnier every, every single, single time. time. That was great. I yeah, it was. It. Plus, I'm fucking dead. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, that's pretty much how I feel about it. Two and a half out of five. Not the biggest fan. Hmm. Well, let's do I'll next. go. Okay. Um, yeah, as I've said before, I'm a huge fan of this movie. I think everything about it just works perfectly. It's um, it's very ramshackle, but it gets to the finish line um, faster than you can count, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's... Um, it's extremely... And it does what it sets out to do. It does. Uh, it's so full of vitality. Um, Michael Keaton's performance in this is so good that when I think of Michael Keaton performances, I never think of Beetlejuice because I always forget that Beetlejuice doesn't actually exist in and of itself and that there's an actor performing him. And I think that's a testament to what's... An extremely obnoxious and outlandish character, like when, like we mentioned earlier, when uh, Johnny Depp does a stupid, uh, obnoxious character. All I can think of is how that's Johnny Depp unable to act. Whereas here, remember uh, when he was the toast of the town? Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, there was a that period. was a while ago now. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, it's crazy that Michael Keaton went from Beetlejuice to Batman. Well, he the, it the is director to me. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it was strange. All right. Um, but no, I I absolutely love this movie. I think the uh, the the choice to have Harry Belafonte songs uh, score the entire picture mm-hmm. is actually genius. Like I I don't throw that word around often when it comes to like just comedic trivial things but and this is an actual stroke of genius I, I don't know a single person who uh, even if they dislike Beetlejuice who doesn't kind of tap their foot at the thought of Deo uh, in the dinner scene and, and uh, or can't not say okay I believe you without like actual affection I will say uh, and without the accent Yeah. speaking we already uh, hit on the, the- Actors and actresses in here, but Robert Goulet uh, in this film just tickles me. <laughs> that, so. is, that is great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so uh, overall, I think it totally, totally works. It still holds up. And um, I think the reason why it still works for me, and I really don't like Tim Burton, is because this is Tim Burton at his most unfiltered. Because I think Beetlejuice, in a way, is Tim Burton. He's the person who cannot rein it in and thinks that every uh, little minute thing that he has to add to this project is somehow worth his vanity. And therefore, um, it, it, it creates a singular vision like Tim Burton does, but at the end of the day, it's insufferable. And so that's why if I was in-universe, I would find Beetlejuice, the character, insufferable. But as a spectator, I find it hilarious. And I find even the... Um, the recurring motif of the visualization of the model towns and everything like this is Tim Burton literally playing in a sandbox and I, I and literally with sandworms and <laughs> I, I I could not have more fun with the movie if I tried so I, I give it four and a half out of five stars Ooh. I think it's pretty much uh, perfect not because it's like the best movie ever but I don't know what else it would do differently to win any favors I agree yeah I really can't say much to top what Nick just said because it's sort of like a like a consummate like approximation of what well, Tim Burton does so right. well in this like it is a sandbox with so sandworms um, it is uh, sort of him firing on all cylinders and being creative and like showing off what would be his signature motifs of like expounding off of like German expressionist like imagery and just like idyllic situations and like comical scenarios that are just like sprung out of like nowhere um i don't think that i would give it as enthusiastic of a rating as four i think i'm gonna stick to a three right now just because this is my first time that's i've seen it in a long time and i enjoyed it i enjoyed it i'm not over the moon about it Mm -hmm. but i think that it's a very capable film and yeah i like it yeah absolutely cool um so uh, I mean, Nick pretty much said everything that was like. Oh, we don't even need to have you in Tucson here. Great. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> cool. Peace out. Um, Thanks, guys. But I, um, while I would not give it as high of a rating, um, turn off her mic. As a <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, now let me explain. Um, I still regard it highly um, because of again going back to. Um, just the artistic things of it and, and being able to, like you guys said, being able to see Tim Burton, um, kind of to me at his finest work. Um, I haven't seen Edward Scissorhands, um, but at the same time, I mean, uh, yes and no, the little chunks that I've seen of it, 
yes, it is him. It is signature, like, Burton. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily the finest of the fine, essentially. It's not, you know, five-star dining. Um, so, I mean, but at the same time, there's so much creativity and there's, um, I think there's a chance for viewers and um, to, to really see a sort of uniqueness in these characters that are brought out. Um, so, and even some of the actors who portrayed them. Um, I know, like, we had talked about Alec Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since uh, he, as an actor, can do a variety of things. Um, and this was one of the first times that you saw something that was different. Um, I mean, when I think of him, I think of Glenn, Gary Glenn Coase, um, where he's, Glenn, you know... Gary Glenn Ross. That one? Not Glenn Close. Wrong one. The actress. My bad. It's oh, getting late. So Sorry. Anal. <laughs> Sorry. I was just... Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Be nice to our guests. Um, hey, it's late. It's okay. Yeah. I don't mind. She killed um, it in the 101 Dalmatians live action, though. She so, sure did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. So... Um, That's what you get for not giving it a high rating. <laughs> you know what? Um, <laughs> you know what? But, <laughs> but I, um, like, seeing him in that and then, you know, and thinking about, you know, it's the same guy who plays, you know, does Ghost. Um, I, and I also like seeing um, just kind of that crazy side of uh, Michael Keaton. Um all of his other characters are very human in many of their aspects. And this was kind of the first time you got to see an actor really be someone other than a human. I don't Um, know. That character he played in that Jack Frost movie or whatever it was. That doesn't count. But he was a human underneath all that snow. (laughs) What about all the humans he played in multiplicity? Can you imagine dying only to have your soul transposed onto a snowman that will only live for... I actually imagine it a lot. That will only live for like... Maybe a month. That's not now, fair. The you... whole ending presupposes that <laughs> they could have put him in a freezer, but they decided that closure was better <laughs> than holding on to this fragmented memory of their dear departed father. And then he becomes a serial killer. Mr. Police, you could have saved them. I gave you all the clues. Oh, I thought you were talking about. Oh, I've heard that movie. I thought you were talking about Jack Frost, the movie from the uh, '80s that was a. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, a horror flick in which uh. a guy dies and becomes a snowman and then ends up as a snowman raping Shannon Elizabeth oh in, a, in a bathtub with his carrot nose. <laughs> oh, by the way, Tucson Alex, we're going to be watching that this December, so buckle up. Gear up. <laughs> I think he's on this poster somewhere. Oh, no! <laughs> wow. All right. No, but, uh. but seriously, that Michael Fassbender film has been getting just barbecued so that's amazing I, yeah it looks uh they great. thought they were gonna have a soul cinematic universe oh really yeah that that's based on a book series oh uh because the main character the snowman the snow angels the <laughs> snowballs no the character that michael fassbender <laughs> plays who his character's name is harry hole oh uh, yeah <laughs> um, i guess there's a whole british book series there is a whole british on book on his character a harry whole british book series <laughs> oh man Goddamn dog! <laughs> Why do you keep doing this? What, what did I do? They fucking did it to themselves. <laughs> I mean, touch motherfucker! <laughs> I'm so sorry that we interrupted you, Sam. Please it's continue. okay. It was um, kind of important. <laughs> um, continue. Anyway, um, but sort of being able to see um, 
that that different side of actors and um i i really like that this is something that's um morbid and humorous at the same time without kind of going a little too dark um or going too off the grid um and that's something that's something that I really treasure about this film um, because some to me it's hard to do dark humor um, well um, and still be funny for a lot of people um, that you know no matter even if the conversation is death they're still going to laugh about it in this case um, because it's the jokes are done well um, and sort of with that and all the artsy things that I kind of like about it. Um, and then the storytelling of it, um, I would give it a four out of five, um, just because there's, there's a, a good variety of things to it. Um, it is not like the finest film I've ever seen and I'm going to like weep because it's so magnificent. Um, but I definitely don't mind coming back to it and watching it, you know, every October, that's for sure. Um, or even just other times throughout the year. Good stuff. I like it. I'm glad you suggested it because it was definitely a fun rewatch for me, even if I don't love this film. So, And as I mentioned, I wouldn't have watched it without it, so thanks for that as well. Mm-hmm. The, you out there have any thoughts on Beetlejuice or actually anything about Tim Burton? If you if you hate him like me and Nick, that be, we'd love to hear from you. You can always send them to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com or you can also uh, find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at filmtankshow. Coming up on our next episode, we returned to the Saw franchise, which I know... Finally! <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, for people who are fans of this ridiculously bizarre franchise, which I know myself and Nick are, and even though Toussaint isn't as excited about it, I know he at least enjoys quite a few of the films, so... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, bud. You heard it here. Yeah. Just boom. I like two and I like three, and I can't remember the other ones that I like, but they are. You don't like the first saw? Um, I mean, I I enjoy the first saw, but I think that the second saw is the one that I first saw in in mm. film. So I saw that saw, and I like that saw. So no one's ever done that before. Yeah. No. Uh, no. So really? uh, Jigsaw coming out uh, into the theater, and it's going. Now to... is this a? Is this a sequel to Hacksaw Ridge? Ha. 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 Definitely caught on with the horror crew around October, and um, that really fell off towards the end. I think they put together a good trailer, Mm -hmm. and I've seen it in the theaters now a few times, so it's certainly circulating. And they have all the things that people remember about Saw for the most part. Yes, and I do think they're also trying to extend an olive branch to people who were put off by it originally, because I do think... 
the joke at the end, which I'm not saying I find funny, but the the reaction to the Billy the Puppet, like, yeah, that's not creepy. Mm-hmm. Like, does kind of let other people who were put off by Saw's relentless grimness, because it can still be a torture porn movie, but also have humor in it. Uh, so There's humor in that seventh film. Yeah. They didn't know it was humor, but it was. That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, as am I. Uh, it's it's definitely a very interesting segment of you know, the 21st century horror genre. So um, yeah, we'll yeah. definitely have thoughts about it. Yeah, we will. Um, yeah, we will. Yeah, and if you are at all interested in going back into the archives, we have a whole episode where we talk about all seven of the Saw yeah. films. So. Boy, that was. That was Ooh. that was lengthy. That's that was, great. I mean, there's a lot to you know. It's girthy too. Mm, yeah, there's a lot to parse through there. There's a lot of great, <laughs> great filmmaking. We really got down in the bone with those. Ah, that was actually pretty good. Thank you. Well thank done. You. All right, so thank you very much again to Sam Shamara. Thank you. Yes, and from no, thank you. Thank me. From Nick no, Cheney. I was thinking Sam and that. Particular oh, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Oh, wait. you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. So wait, am I supposed to say thank you at this point? Okay. Yeah, from, thank you. From Nick Cheney to Sandy. Oh, thank you. Myself, Alex Diekman, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much for listening to this episode of Film Tank. We'll catch up with you next time. You're welcome. <laughs>